Good afternoon. Welcome to the fun now final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A lot of red on the screen today as we look at the grain side of the complex, though the beans were green for a while, unable to hold that spot. But as we'll find out, there was some a lot of pressure coming from both the corn and the wheat side to affect the way the beans are trading. If you flip the page to the livestock, it was mixed on these cattle and on the hogs alike. We're going to get the full details on this first Monday trade of December from Sue Martin. Sue is with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. And let's start out looking at this uh, soybean market because I think there was some hope, Sue, um, with some positive numbers even going into the midday that we might have been able to hold it to the close. Well, I think that uh, when you look at uh, the pressure on corn and wheat, uh, beans probably did pretty good, but even more so the soybean oil was down sharply. You know, you have the DEES, which is going to go into expiration on the 14th, uh, down 269 points or $2.69. You know, in January, down another $2.65. That's a pretty hard day down on bean oil. And bean oil has been the support to the bean market. You know, in the old days, it'd be soy meal. And yes, soy meal was higher today, but they're unwinding those product spreads. And so beans managed to hold faintly lower but they managed to stay more stable as the bean oil uh, broke against the soy meal strength. But um, when you look at corn uh, and wheat, corn being tugged lower by the wheat market, and, um, you know, you look at the fact that uh, in the corn, uh, here's a market that uh, needs to have uh, better export sales, Um you know, we've looked at corn and I would have to say, you know, it's a, it's a market that, um, uh, I think has promise. I think we're in the process of trying to move a little bit lower and well, not much farther below us is a trend line that, uh, comes across from July 6th of 21 and then extended forward. And so that's just a little bit below us. And I'm wondering if that won't fulfill an Elliott wave, wave four, so that we can get this turnaround and go back up for the wave five. I think it's the March contract that's probably going to get that job done. But it was the wheat contract that really kind of was pulling everybody down into the negative today, wasn't it? Well, wheat has been pretty tough. And uh, the wheat market did fall. In fact, uh, quite honestly, we've had cycle window timing due here uh, today, last night, yesterday, last night, depending on the market, um, and today. And that would be for soybeans and wheat and corn by default. Well, we broke uh, into this cycle, both on wheat and corn. So I think we're going to find some support here. Uh, wheat also, basis KC wheat, has... Uh, reached a, a wave three, and that's not on Elliott wave. That's a different uh, form of wave counting, and we've reached a wave three. So the market is, I think, due for a, a corrective bounce here. Um, you know, we need to stabilize the wheat market so that corn can get that turn. But you look at wheat and what's going on there. Well, for one thing, wheat's in dormancy. So you can't hurt the crop any more than it is. And yes, it went into dormancy abnormally poor condition. But that's been priced into this market. We've talked about that to no end. And then you have, uh, because of the tight supplies that we have, 
you have uh, the East Coast importing Polish wheat into the U.S. And so that's kind of a negative, but it also speaks to how tight supplied we really are. You're also catching moisture in Texas and Oklahoma, and that is weighing on the hard red winter wheat, while the soft red has continued to have moisture as well. And so just the combination of all of that, then you look across the Dakotas, and they're catching snow, and and so a little bit of a different uh, setup than what they had the last year or two. So that's what's weighing on the wheat market. And at this time, we also have Australian wheat being harvested. You know, you might recall the past three years, Australian wheat was was in horrible conditions, and so the production was way down. This year, they've had plenty of moisture, almost maybe too much in some cases, so it might cause a quality issue as they harvest. Uh, but to be honest, there's more of Australian wheat to go around this year, and that is a competitor. And then you've got Russia. Uh, their wheat export prices fell slightly last week. I think they were down like $2 a ton. And um, that was kind of following on the heels of, of uh, Chicago and Paris, where, um, you know, Paris wheat futures have been under pressure because of Russian uh, harvests going on and looking at a record supply there. So, you know, you've got active uh, supplies coming out of the Black Sea for the moment. Maybe not what it would be if they were not in war with Ukraine, but still they're moving supplies. How is the, you know, when you look at the fact that we've got such a shortage here, and like you mentioned, we're importing from Poland, uh, the outside global pressure of worries about wheat has just got to add to a whole new element, not knowing where or when everything is going to work with Ukraine and Russia. Well, I think, you know, we have to kind of keep in mind that world food prices are going to, I think, remain very volatile because your global economy is facing headwinds that are continuing to try to slow the growth. And, you know, you've had um, uh, lockdowns in China that's basically shut down industries and upended uh, supply chains. You've had war in Ukraine that threatened to curtail food key food supplies to the world. Keep in mind, Ukraine's number four exporter under normal circumstances of corn. And China is a very large buyer of Ukraine corn normally. We have got a lot more coming up as we continue with this second half around the corner. It's the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Results are in for 2022, and Fontenelle does it again. In farmer-managed trials this past season, Fontenelle's three top-yielding corn products had an 8.3 bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume products. That's a 68% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Results calculated using 15% moisture. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Eighth in Lincoln. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue to have our conversation this afternoon with Sue Martin of Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. Let's talk about the dollar. We got a little bit of strength back um, on the dollar. Good news, bad news, because it does affect our export opportunities. Well, I think that uh, the dollar, yes, it bounced back, but it's been in a downtrend. And, and the dollar reached a wave four on our wave counts which usually is like the brick wall of China. 
And so um, it's been in decline. I think it continues to stay in decline. Um, it could go to 101 on the March futures, and that would be basically a major wave count on the downside and maybe be enough uh, for the dollar. But is the dollar totally topped out for its move? No, I think the dollar will be stronger into 24 and maybe even 25. So I'm curious, when the announcement came on on Friday that the president and Congress had come to agreement on their side um, when it came to a a rail strike possibility, do you think there was a little bit of sigh of relief from the markets for a brief moment? Um, I think the market expected that we were going to get a rail, uh, maybe via through the help of of, uh, uh, Congress. But I think that um, I, I don't think too many expected they were going to pull that one off without government intervention, and um, and they got that. So, but that was a good thing because it helps keep stuff moving. But you know, our Mississippi River being as low as it is, this is a critical time of the year when we need to be able to be shipping stuff down to that uh, Gulf to get loaded on ships and sent elsewhere. And so our exports have really suffered when this would be the first quarter of the marketing year uh, is usually one of your best marketing times for exports. And is it something we can make up? I mean, we can't get those exports out. They're going to look elsewhere. Normally you don't, and it depends on Brazil and Argentina. Uh, the weather in Brazil has been pretty ideal. Uh, granted, over the past weekend, they had uh, floods in Santa Catarina, um, so they caught too much rain. But basically, the, the overall, the crops are said to be pretty decent, and that's being inferred by the USDA in those supply-demand reports. But um, I think that when we look at this um, uh, South American crop, you know, we've got to deal with that. As we go in towards January, about the middle of January, you'll start seeing those beans coming out and the first crop of corn. Now, the first crop of corn is usually not the one that gets exported very much. It's the safrina. And so what happens if all of a sudden Brazil hits harvest and they get into a wet spell and they can't and it starts to rain and they can't get crops out? Who knows? It may be a totally different, you know, switch this year where it's just too wet. And therefore, they're later getting the safrina in. That could be, you know, if that were to happen, that could delay exports and maybe help us pick up some slack. But China needs all three. They need us, our Argentina, they need Brazil, and they need us. And I think once they come on deck and get their economies really rolling, I think there's going to be just a huge appetite for most everything. Let's switch over to the livestock side. Obviously, we've seen some negativity in this corn market. Is that going to continue to influence, even though we had a mixed trade today, some positives for our livestock trade? Well, I think the hog market, you know, we're sitting here where I think, again, I had some cycle window timing today, and I thought hogs should probably hit a peak here and try to pull back a little bit. The cattle market, you look at feeders, and they were up pretty nice. You know, a dollar thirty-two on the Jan and a dollar ten on the March at ninety cents on April feeders. But when you've had corn with the kind of break, you'd think feeders would be doing even better. And I will say, seasonally, 
as you go towards anywhere from the 5th of December to the 8th of December, a lot of times you'll stick a high in on cattle and go for a seasonal correction towards Christmas. And then you come out of it and then you rally into about the 11th, 10th, 11th of January peak. And then you catch another correction. And from that break, then you're good all the way into uh, pretty much into April. What are you seeing for, for cash push? I know that the South was pretty fast this last week to react, and it took a while for the North to even get excited about any cash offers. Well, I think that when we look at the cattle market, I think that, uh, first off, we had some Angus in Iowa that sold for 165 last week. You didn't hear much talk about it. And uh, otherwise, a lot of 157, 156 in, in uh, Nebraska and Iowa but, um, you know, the South is coming around. But what's interesting is, and this is sad, but I'm hearing talk that the feedlots down in Amarillo and in uh, Lubbock, Texas, are basically almost gone. The best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sue? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And y'all have a great day. All right, that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.